Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are crafting meaningful new chapters as we navigate the sadness of traditions in transition. Change is hard. No need to sugarcoat it as we do everything else around the holidays. Families grow and families shrink. But what doesn't change are the seasons. Therefore, our flexibility and evolution are paramount to successfully navigating all the changes. For some, we merely adapt and roll with the punches. But for others, we have to take the helm and create new memories and purpose. What each must share is an openness and willingness to embrace this ever-changing landscape with love. Most people are just doing their best. Have you ever stepped back, or should I say stepped up, for that kind of vantage point? On average, everyone is just trying to do their best. No one has everything figured out, and everyone is going through something now, then, or yet to come. So have patience and approach every situation with kindness and understanding. With that said, traditions are an important part of our development and shouldn't be overlooked. Dr. Kimberly Key explains why traditions matter, how vacations, celebrations, and cherished routines increase health, found at psychologytoday.com. People thrive when they have a mix of new and novel experiences combined with steadfast foundations like a home, family routines, and traditions. If novelty is like the surprise-sweeping winds that stir the ocean waves or dance with a kite in the sky, then foundations provide the gravitational conditions that sustain the atmosphere. They are a balm to the soul and food for the body. If you're alone, heartbroken, grieving the loss and or death of a loved one, or completely isolated and now feeling deflated in despair after hearing this, I can relate and genuinely understand and am sending you virtual hugs and genuine care coupled with some messages of hope. While the people in your life may be gone, or maybe they're right there with you, you can increase feelings of emotional security through cherished routines and traditions. Some people have a dedicated prayer and meditation time that helps them feel anchored, replenished, and divinely connected to a loving creator. Additional routines may include work, exercise, reading news, checking emails and social media, making your bed, eating meals. It can also extend into shopping habits, walking a certain path, checking the mailbox, eating at a restaurant with a favorite table, reading a book under a special tree having Sunday family dinners. You see where I'm going. These routines provide stability, comfort, and can act as hugs to the distressed nervous system. Traditions like holiday celebrations, while sometimes triggering, also form deep essential trust bonds as they constitute a sense of continuity in life, represent familiar connections, and fill each person's vital need for a sense of belonging. In a world where divorce is rampant, conflict abundant, and uncertainty the norm, the solution for one's safety, holiday traditions, may be more valuable than you realize. 
It could be tempting to avoid a tradition altogether. However, what if you try embracing it? Even if you don't cook all the meals as you have in the past, you could take the time to write about it. List the traditions your family celebrated and why. Then try writing out what makes you grateful for each one. Is it the smell, the taste of the food, the laughter? What favorite memories do you have? What lessons have you learned from them? Is there a way you can share these essentials with others who may not know them? What new traditions would you like to initiate? Something magical happens when you approach your traditions with these types of reflective questions. Creativity flourishes. Discovery sets in. New things reveal themselves as crystallization stirs new revelations. It could be an all-chemical experience where the wind-blown surf meets the steadfast turf. For me, it was Grandma's house. Of course, so many memories about Grandma's house. You know, long days with family. I, for one, don't have a big family, and I always, always wanted a big family. My dad's family was from Washington State, and I live in the Midwest, so Washington State's a really far, far away. For some reason, my family didn't feel like plane rides were of the norm, so we didn't get to see that side of the family very much. My other side of the family lived about three hours away, and we went there frequently. Super, super close with my grandmother and my grandfather and my cousins. But in the day-to-day where I live, I didn't have a big family. It was my mom and dad and my brother, and that's it. Now, my best friend, completely opposite. She is literally related to everyone. I was so jealous of that. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have FaceTime or texting. You could write a letter to your grandparents, your cousins, or you went and saw them. You packed up the car. And of course, over the holidays, it would involve an overnight stay. We didn't just go and come back home. We actually got to make a weekend of it or part of a week when we were out of school. And it was amazing. Now, my grandmother was a twin. So her sister actually lived in the same town, little town in Tennessee. So when we went, we would have our Christmas celebration. My aunt and her family would have theirs. And then in the end of the day, we would all get together. So this was at Thanksgiving and also at Christmas. It was wonderful. Now, when I started thinking about what were our traditions when when it comes to grandma, I remember a lot of cooking And a lot of, hey, the food's not ready. Get out of the kitchen. Get out from under our feet. Go do something. Go outside. Hopefully the weather was nice enough that you could go outside. But my fondest memories have nothing to do with any gifts or any particular food. It was the chance of being together. Family. Connection. Spending time together. Catching up with cousins. Hugs and conversations that are just so, so meaningful. My friend, you know, the one who's related to everyone and they all live right around her, um, her grandmother would always do Sunday dinners. And I got to go. It was amazing to go over there. We would all sit at a big table. Now you just saw them last week, but it's like you haven't seen them forever. Platters of food, bowls of yummy stuff, all passed around family style, 
lots of laughter. You know, we would have a great meal together. Then the kids would go outside and play. And the grown-ups, I guess the guys would watch football and the women would clean up. That sounds very sexist today, but <laughs> it was part of our traditions. And it just meant so much to us having those family connections. And now you know where the story's going because as I grew up and grew older, so did my grandmother. So did her grandmother. And inevitably, we lost those matriarchs of our families. And with her death, so died too the sense of responsibility to hold true to tradition. Jean Holhouse provides strategies on navigating loss and change during the holidays. Found at pinerest.org. Holidays mean time spent with loved ones, a concept most of us grew up believing in. Holiday traditions create an atmosphere of warmth and togetherness each year and provide a sense of comfort and belonging. However, recreating the cozy holiday atmosphere becomes difficult when children are scattered across the country, an aging parent is living with dementia, loved ones have passed away, a spouse or partner is no longer present, or grandparents can simply no longer muster the stamina for a day's celebration. Instead of the normal holiday preparations, those experiencing loss find themselves thinking, who's going to carve the turkey now that grandpa has died? I don't have the energy to shop, decorate, or be around others this year. I just want to skip Hanukkah this year. I feel too empty since my children moved away. Since holidays are about time spent with loved ones, they can be very difficult for people who've experienced loss or significant changes. Memories of good times and togetherness during the holidays become reminders of the loss and change. Watching others embrace the excitement of the holidays accentuates this pain. People may simultaneously experience guilt at the thought of engaging in traditional holiday activities like putting up the tree or giving gifts because they are celebrating without their loved ones. Successfully coping with loss and change during the holidays requires acknowledging that things will never be as they were in the past. Accepting this reality frees you to experience the change in loss and all the accompanying emotions. Acknowledging change grants you permission to have the moments that feel awkward, difficult, or emotionally painful. Acceptance allows you to prepare for holiday time by making specific plans and arranging for the support you need to successfully navigate the inevitable and needed changes. So here are some tips for coping with change, grief, and loss during the holidays. Number one, set realistic expectations for yourself. Don't make the mistake of burying yourself in a whirlwind of holiday preparations to distract yourself from your feelings and avoid dealing with the changes and loss. Doing this is like attempting to hold a beach ball underwater. It may work briefly, but eventually the ball will find a way to the surface and may not do this at times which are most effective. Instead of overwhelming yourself with holiday activities, Determine what your priorities are and engage in activities which help maintain those priorities. Number two, surround yourself with people who love and support you. Change and loss make people feel alone and even unloved. 
The feeling is accentuated when extensive amounts of time are spent alone or when you tell yourself you're imposing or burdening others. Spending time with those who love and support you helps you feel better and also provides opportunities to emotionally support others who may be experiencing the same loss or change that you are. Number three, avoid canceling the holiday despite the temptation. If the thought of holiday activities simply feels too painful, overwhelming, or inappropriate this year, consider cutting back instead of eliminating it altogether. You might choose to minimally decorate the house, skip sending holiday cards, or limit holiday party attendance. Number four, allow yourself to feel joy, anger, sadness, relief, loss, Don't be afraid to express your feelings and be willing to allow others to be with you in your emotions. Give your emotions a time and a place to be expressed by engaging in activities specifically for that purpose. Number five, do for others. Sometimes the biggest comfort is giving to others. In times of loss or change, doing things that make a difference becomes increasingly important. Consider ways you want to contribute to the world around you and then take action. When you reach out and help others, you may be as blessed as those you minister to. Number six, take care of yourself. Avoid using alcohol to self-medicate your mood. Get enough sleep, eat well, and take time out for yourself. Share your memories with others. Engage in physical exercise to help manage feelings of depression and anxiety. Find ways to express your emotions appropriately every day. Number seven, create new traditions or rituals that fit your current situation. As a family, discuss the activities you want to include or exclude this year. New rituals and traditions might include doing something in memory of a loved one who's passed away or starting a new family tradition, volunteering, creating a new menu for a holiday meal, inviting friends over. The most important thing to remember is there's no right or wrong way to celebrate the holidays. Each person's path through the holidays may be unique. What is vitally important is to be present and participate fully in your journey through this holiday season. You know, I never really considered that the holidays could be tough on mental health. You know, that's not something you grow up thinking. You get excited about seeing your family, excited about presents, Santa, getting all dressed up, taking pictures, having wonderful food, lots of fun, lots of laughter. And you don't really think about, what about dysfunctional family memories? What about when it didn't go so well? What about those awkward moments with somebody in your family that you didn't quite click with or wasn't necessarily welcomed at the table? And then think about that time of year, too, um, if we're talking about traditionally Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, that sort of thing. It's in the winter. It's dark. The days are shorter. It's cold. Very easy to feel isolated and all alone. And what about when you don't feel very thankful? How do you muster up that sense of thankfulness and gratitude when things just haven't been going right? You can see how that can be a very depressing time of year. 
What about if you're financially unable to participate? You might not be able to afford a big lavish meal with tons of sides that you typically throw away or box up to go. What about presents? You know, feeling this sense of having to show up at a party and be all dressed up and bring a gift and maybe you don't know what to buy. Maybe you don't feel like you belong and you have feelings of shame and regret for even feeling this way or for your life being this way. What do you do with all these feelings? How can you really participate in these traditions when you just don't feel it? How do you create new joyful traditions when you aren't very happy? Timesfreepress.com posted, Chattanooga Social Worker shares how to overcome mental health obstacles during the holiday season. This was written by Sarah Dolgan. From a lack of sense of belonging to the resurfacing of hurtful memories, there are a number of mental health obstacles that may come up during the holiday season. We spoke with Chattanooga area licensed social worker Katherine Rogers and asked about ways to best accommodate friends and family members who may feel additional anxiety and depression this time of year. Rogers says common issues she sees people face during the holidays include heightened depression, suicidal ideation, grief, and dealing with old family roles and expectations. Another trigger can be financial stress as it pertains to gift giving or the pressure of purchasing new clothes to wear when seeing family members. She says that sometimes people will have trouble falling asleep from replaying past holiday scenarios or from attempting to predict how upcoming events will be. And coping with holiday stressors can lead to a heavier reliance on substances. It's easier for issues with alcohol use to go undetected for a little while because they're induced by the norm of drinking being associated with the holidays. That comes from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga professor Tomorrow Arnold. Having negative feelings associated with holiday time can make people second-guess their self-worth. Not going along with the party or the good cheer can leave us feeling judgment about ourselves. Is there something wrong with me? Rogers says that expectations tied to generational holiday traditions can often lead to disappointment when family dynamics change. She gives the example of a family that used to wear matching clothes on Christmas Eve when the children were young. And now that they're grown adults, it's become harder to make that expectation a reality, disappointing the mother who typically coordinates the festivities. Instead of forcing a tradition that is no longer working, Rogers recommends creating new traditions that better accommodate those involved so that the point of the tradition, spending time together, can still be achieved just through a different activity. In this case, organizing a family activity like making s'mores to replace the matching outfit tradition could bring the family together in a different way. Rogers says that people who know that the holiday season is particularly hard for them should try to audit their senses and work to identify what triggers have come up in the past and what, if anything, has worked to remedy those feelings. The best way to approach holiday stressors is to take extra self-care steps. That means focusing on getting good sleep, creature comforts like wearing comfortable clothes, having peaceful scents around you, are just some of the ways, and also accepting 
that you might not be exercising and watching all your sugar like you had planned to do, but just making a conscious decision to be graceful and not judgmental or critical of yourself. If your body is letting you know that going to a holiday event will make you physically ill or trigger depression, Rogers says that to honor those signs by advocating for yourself and not going to the event. Encouraging family and friends to speak out about what they would like to do to celebrate the holidays comfortably is a great way to offer support. If a loved one doesn't want to go to a party, helping them pivot their outlook or what they would like to do instead can help them alleviate stress by planning something that will bring them joy. If someone says, I just don't want to get together with my friends and make drinks and tell the craziest stories of what our families have done, well, there you go. Don't do that. When a friend or family member is experiencing sadness, Rogers says that being present and sitting in their feelings with them instead of trying to offer advice or alter their mood will resonate deeper with someone who's struggling. Letting relatives know if you would like to alter a tradition to better accommodate yourself is a good way to set boundaries and reset expectations. Chattanooga resident Alexandra Fulton makes sure to pack her own snacks when visiting families during the holidays. She hopes that people she sees this time of year avoid comments like, I need to walk this meal off or refrain from saying, but I made this for you, if they notice her eating something she brought from home instead. Fulton has an eating disorder and says she prepares for holiday gatherings by bringing her safe snacks or food she knows she's comfortable eating. It's important to be aware that you don't have to earn food, and there's a lot of discussion about turkey trots and working out before going to Thanksgiving dinner. I think that's stressful for a lot of people, so being mindful is really important. For people who may be far from loved ones during the holidays or estranged from the family traditions they used to be a part of, Rogers says getting involved in community service can help with feelings of isolation and offer a sense of purpose. You know, when I took over, I feel like that's what happened. I took over, I remember it vividly because my mom was cooking Thanksgiving. My grandmother had already passed away. And so now my mom took primarily the lead there. We stopped going to my family's house. We stopped going down to Tennessee and having those big days filled with cousins and extended family. And my mom did it. And I remember looking at her one time as she's rushing around all red-faced with her apron on and thinking, you know, I'm probably at the age that I need to pitch in. So I said it, hey, mom, I think I should probably be helping out with Thanksgiving dinner. And then I remember that first year that happened, I did about 50% of it. And I thought, this is bananas. How in the world can you possibly get out this many dishes at the same time and, uh, and still be entertaining. I remember we got it all ready, put it out, washed the dishes, and went to the only open store and just walked around in a daze. Not shopping, just kind of getting out of the house. Now, because I have enough space, I primarily host all of those get-togethers. But it's evolved because now, instead of having small kids with their hands in the bowl or trying to peek in the presence, they're adults. And so... We've changed it a bit. 
My oldest was very adamant about keeping traditions the same, almost to a bratty stage. She didn't want the menu to change, the timing to change. And she told me one day, it's because it's almost like that lighthouse from her childhood that she can point to. As she grows up and things change and life evolves, it's the one thing that's consistent in her life. And that really made me think about it in a different way. Those traditions keep us rooted. So when life gets crazy and chaotic and changes and you change, having a tradition to lean on can really ground you and center you when life is ever evolving. Randy Mazella helps us transition when family traditions end and how to start new ones. It's found at nextavenue.org. She said, when my three kids were little, every year we celebrated Hanukkah on a Sunday in December. My mother would make the homemade potato latkes using my grandmother's recipe. The first few years, my two young brothers were single, but over the years, their spouses and children joined in on the festivities. In 2015, there was 17 of us around the table. But as my kids got older, it became harder to find a day that everyone in the family could get together. Someone was always missing, and it wasn't the same. When we had to cancel the party in 2019 due to a snowstorm, I was secretly relieved. Then the following year, the pandemic made it impossible for us to get together safely. I didn't know that the last annual Hanukkah party was, in fact, the last time we would celebrate the holiday in that format and that our long-held family tradition was ending. The definition of tradition is the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation or the fact of being passed on this way. By having our tradition, we are saying this is how our family does things and it creates a sense of belonging. The Thanksgiving through New Year's holiday season is usually filled with lots of traditions. Traditions create cohesion. This says Dr. Gail Saltz, Associate Professor of Psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital. They illustrate that we are part of each other's lives. Natalie Christine Dottillo, a Boston-based clinical health psychologist and mental wellness expert, adds, Traditions anchor us. They provide familiarity and predictability, both of which have been in short supply lately. Having a family tradition can give people a sense of comfort. I liked knowing that there was a plan in place for how we would celebrate the holiday. I didn't have to worry about when the whole extended family would be together because I knew there was a date set in advance. Friends and family make up the fabric of our life. They help shape our identity and traditions are a part of this narrative. Traditions become the scaffold of who we are and what and who is important to us. There are many reasons traditions end. It can be something definitive like a death, divorce, or a move, or something less concrete. Or a tradition may run its course and not work over time as lives change or people get older. Sometimes a tradition ends because the joy it once brought has faded. Regardless of why a tradition ends, there is a feeling of loss. There is a sadness when we lose a tradition. 
We realize that life doesn't stand still. It may bring to light that there is more life behind you than in front of you. If a tradition ends because of a person's death, it can remind you of your own immortality, explains Dr. Saltz. Just because a tradition ends doesn't mean it wasn't meaningful. It's okay to have mixed feelings. You may be grateful for the good memories, sad the tradition has ended, but also happy that you can move forward in a different way. Just because you miss the tradition of making pancakes with your kids on Christmas morning doesn't mean you aren't also happy that your kids are grown and have children of their own to share the day with. When a tradition ends, Salt suggests, people give themselves permission and time to grieve. Try not to get bogged down with absolutes. Rather than say, we will never have Christmas dinner again, which can be overwhelming, take it one step or one year at a time. If the tradition no longer brings joy, explain that to your friends and family. If you're the one deciding to put an end to a tradition, don't feel guilty. Taking care of your own emotional and mental health is important. If you feel burnt out and push yourself to continue a tradition, it can lead to resentment or outbursts. Rather than focusing on the tradition itself, look at the meaning behind it. The idea behind a tradition is about connection, but traditions can be confining and can become exhausting if you're doing them year after year. Let family and friends know you still want to connect with them, but just in a new way. The end of a tradition can also give people a chance to make a needed change. Letting go of old traditions doesn't have to be somber, says Dottillo. It can provide an opportunity to clarify your family's values and create new traditions that are in better alignment with those. Michigan resident Sandy Jones used to host a holiday dinner for 20 people. She remembers buying fillets and expensive desserts in the local specialty shops. These days, her holidays are smaller, sometimes just Jones and her husband. I still do a tree, but now it's all white with my mother's ornaments rather than the fun, colorful ones the kids loved. Admittedly, the first year was sad, but now I make it special because the two of us deserve it. Dottillo suggests removing the word should from your vocabulary when it comes to family traditions. Telling yourself it should be a certain way just because it always has been may feel hollow, forced, and inauthentic. Years ago, a friend lost her beloved father a few months before the holidays. She felt she should have her big annual Christmas Eve dinner because she didn't want to disappoint anyone, but her heart just wasn't in it. Her husband suggested that just for the year, they skip the dinner and go on a family vacation. They had such a good time that decades later, traveling for Christmas remains their new holiday tradition. As for my family, Randy said, I hope to reinvent the annual Hanukkah party this year and celebrate with my husband, three grown children, plus any friends they want to invite. While the guest list will be different and the crowd smaller, the menu will remain the same, including my grandmother's potato latkes. It will be the start of a new tradition, but with the delicious connection to the old tradition. A blended family is a common situation in society, but there are unique and complex difficulties in that type of family system. My parents divorced when I was eight. 
My dad remarried, and from then on, the holidays just looked different. We had Christmas with my mom, Christmas with my dad, Christmas with my grandma. There was always that tension there. Like, how do you juggle everything? And then when my brother and I grew up, got married, and had our own families, it became even more difficult. Now we have another extended family of our spouses. How do you juggle all that? And many times we didn't live in the same state as our parents. Well, something happened, which was such a blessing. I just had to share it. Over time, my parents realized the only way they could get enough quality time with us was to put aside their differences, put aside any hurt feelings, and come together for a shared experience. And yes, that is what happened. I remember it clearly. We were at my mom's for a Memorial Day celebration, and my brother and I were outside on the deck. My dad and my stepmom had come to the party, and I really think this was maybe the first time, definitely the first time that they were just on each other's turf. You know, we had been at other things like a baby shower or a bridal shower in, you know, and we were all together. But this was the first time we were actually in the same home. And I remember my brother and I looking in the window at my dad and my stepmom washing dishes in my mother's kitchen. And we just looked at each other and it was that shared look of like, can you believe that this is what we're witnessing right now? How did we get here? I never thought we would get there, to be honest. And I can't tell you what a blessing that was. And from then on, we had shared experiences, Thanksgiving, Christmas, up until my dad went into the nursing home and was unable to attend. And now that my father has passed, my stepmother still comes. We still all get together. And I am overjoyed in the fact that I was able and lucky enough to have those shared experiences. I know that doesn't work for every family, which makes me appreciate it even more that we didn't have to go through this awkward stage, that our children didn't have to go through these awkward stages, that they were able to share with their grandma and grandpa and grandma (laughs) all at the same place in the same tradition. Now, we didn't have any step-siblings and only one step-parent. I completely understand how that can change the dynamics But blended families require even more flexibility. Keeping things the same but making enough space for new traditions is important. And the person bringing the step side of things to the relationship has to be aware of that. For this, I'm speaking with experience, but it's not just enough for you making room to include that new person in your honored traditions that you have had for however many years But now you're in a different relationship with a different family dynamic, and it's time that you recognize, hey, I need to make space for a new tradition. How can I incorporate that while still honoring the past? Communication is key. And understanding the evolution of a blended family is super helpful. At GR8 Relationships, I found info on the seven stages and eight steps of a blended family. A good resource for this is the book Old Loyalties, New Ties by Emily and John Fisher. And this, what I'm getting ready to go through, is really just an outline of that. 
So seven stages of emotional development for a blended family. Number one, fantasy. Okay, first stage. It won't happen to us. Adults expect instant love and adjustment. Children try to ignore the step-parent, hope they will go away. Biological parents might be reunited. Of course, this depends on where you are in your life when you do get remarried. Uh, If the children are not still small, that may not be an issue. Number two, false assimilation. Of course, we're one big happy family. Attempts to realize fantasies. Vague sense that things are not going well. Increasing negativity. Splits along biological lines. Step parents feeling something is wrong with them. Step three, or stage three, is the awareness. I see what's bothering me, but I don't dare tell you. A growing awareness of blended family pressures. Step parent begins to perceive what changes are needed. The parent feels pulled between the needs of the child and the new spouse. Groups divide along biological lines. Children may observe and exploit differences between the parents. Stage four, mobilization. You're wrong. That's not how it is. Strong emotions begin to be expressed, often leading to arguments. Step parent is clear on the need to change. Parent fears change will bring loss. Sharp division between biological groups. Step parent with no children is in an isolated position and lacks support. Stage five, action. It's hard, but we'll work it out together. Couple begins working together and attempts to find solutions. Blended family structure changes. Boundaries are clarified. Children may resist changes. Stage six, contact. We're all getting closer. Couple working together well. Closer bonding between step-parent, step-child, and other step-relations. Step-parent has a definite role with the stepchildren. Boundaries are clear. More ability to deal with the larger family system issues. Stage seven, resolution. It's different and okay. Blended family identity is secure. When difficulties arise, the family may regress to earlier stages, but moves out of this quickly. Usual difficulties are around specific family events involving the larger family system. So here are eight tasks or steps for a new blended family. One, deal with losses and changes. Identify, recognize losses for all individuals. Support expressions of sadness. Help children talk and not act out feelings. Read blended family books. Make your changes gradually. See that everyone gets a turn. Inform children of plans involving them and accept the insecurity of change. Step two, negotiate different developmental needs. Take a child development and parenting class. Accept the validity of the different life cycle phases. Communicate individual needs clearly. Negotiate incompatible needs and develop tolerance and flexibility. 
Step three, establish new traditions. Recognize traditions are different and not necessarily right or wrong. Concentrate on important situations only. Step parents take on discipline enforcement slowly. Use family meetings or problem solving and giving appreciation. Shift standards slowly whenever possible. Retain or combine appropriate rituals and enrich with new creative traditions. Step four, develop a solid couple bond. Accept this as your primary long-term relationship. Nourish the couple relationship. Plan for couple alone time. Decide general household rules as a couple. Support one another with the children. Expect and accept different parent-child-step-parent-stepchildren feelings. Work out money matters together. Step five, form new relationships. Fill in past histories. Create step-parent-stepchild one-on-one time. Parent, make space for the step-parent-stepchild relationship. Do not expect instant love and adjustment. Be fair to the stepchildren even when caring has not developed. Follow children's lead in what to call a step-parent and do fun things together. Step six, create a parenting coalition. Deal directly with parenting adults in the other household. Parents, keep children out of the middle. Don't talk negatively about adults in the other household. Control what you can and accept limitations. Avoid power struggles between households. Respect the parenting skills of a former spouse. Contribute own specialness to children and communicate between those households in the most effective manner. Step seven, accept continual shifts in household composition. Allow children to enjoy both households. Give them time to adjust to these transitions. Avoid asking children to be messengers or spies. Consider the teenager's earnest desire to change residences. Respect the privacy and boundaries of all households. Set consequences that affect own household only. Provide a personal place for non-resident children and plan special times for various household groupings. And eight, risk involvement despite little support. Include step-parents in school, religious, sports, and other activities. Give legal permission for a step-parent to act when necessary. Continue step-parent-stepchild relationships after the death or divorce of a parent when caring has developed. Step-parent includes self in step-child's activities. Find supportive groups for blended families and remember that all relationships involve work. If you want to share encouraged mentology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you. Transitioning your traditions involves open communication, 
a willingness to embrace change, and an understanding that creating new traditions doesn't diminish the value of the old ones, but rather allows for growth and adaptation. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encourage Mentology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here. All I needed was a rock that I could lean on. All you needed was something beneath your wings. We might be seeing things from different points of view. But that don't mean